Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. If you travel for work, you know to pack two suits. Business and swim. You know with your Delta Sky Miles Business Amex card, buying that plane ticket for a business trip can get you closer to medallion status. You know that a meeting in Montana means visiting almost every national park. Yellowstone? Check. Because you're the chief excursion officer. It's why you're a Delta SkyMiles Platinum Business American Express card member. If you travel, you know. Terms apply. Visit go.amex slash you know business. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. And a good week to you all. Happy Monday, everyone. Off-season week number five here on Fantasy NBA Today. Continue our trek through the NBA on this one. Hope you guys enjoyed our nerding out on Monday. That was, or Friday, rather. That was the uh, first real episode of our uh, our look into how Yahoo's rankings did last year. Um, today, because I've now fallen two teams behind Sports Ethos in the season wrap series, we're going to catch up one, although, uh, if I'm remembering right, I think they have another one coming out either later today or tomorrow, so, uh, I'm probably going to be too behind them again, but, you know, whatever, I don't know. It is what it is. It's the off season. I run at whatever pace I decide I want to run at, and you guys get to jog alongside me because typically I don't run all that fast. I am Dan Vespers. Thank you, as always, for hanging out with us here on Fantasy NBA Today. Uh, at Dan Vespers is the Twitter handle. You can find Sports Ethos by writing the word Sports Ethos into your web browser and then just adding .com at the end. It's also Ethos Fantasy BK over on the uh, NBA side. Want to start today's show not only by telling you guys what's coming up in today's show because we're going to be talking about the Washington Wizards and going through some of the playoff stuff, but also making mention once again that the recruiting blitz is on here at Sports Ethos, continues to be on. Hit me up in the live YouTube chat if you're interested in being a part of what we're doing here at Sports Ethos, or you can send me a note on Twitter at Dan Vespers. You can also write into roster at sportsethos.com, the email address roster at sportsethos.com. We are looking for fantasy contributors, NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, other, if you have some other skill that you'd like to bring to the table. We're looking for folks that want to grow on the sports handicapping side, the DFS side, the full season fantasy side. We're looking for folks that want to cover teams on the podcast side. And then we've got a few names in the mix for this one already, but a really interesting property opened up on our uh side here and that's the fantasy football show our buddy jp has decided to move on he's going to be starting a self-help podcast which is kind of cool for jp so uh good luck to him we've really enjoyed our time with jp sticko but that means that the nfl show 
which is effectively the flagship fantasy football podcast here at Sports Ethos, is looking for a new host. So if you are a footballer, that's not really true because a footballer, I think that's soccer. If you're an NFL maven, guru, whatever you want to call yourself, if you play it as much or more than you do on the fantasy basketball side and you think that this could be your path to being a fantasy basketball or fantasy football, I guess would be in this case, fantasy football analyst, please do reach out. It's a fantastic, fantastic property that already has a built-in audience, and it's a, it's a really a wonderful way for you guys to grow your own profile in the fantasy community. So hit me up on that one again, at Dan Vespers on Twitter is the fastest way to do so, but also, again, you can email in to roster at sportsethos.com. So let's dive right on into the Washington Wizards. <laughs> I just knocked my phone off the desk. I'm having a rough go of things today. Um, the Wizards are a tough one. And it was it's not a coincidence that I thought about doing the Wizards on, I think, like Thursday or Wednesday and Thursday of last week or something like that, but I, did, I didn't want to do it be, when my younger son was homesick from from school everybody's back in school this week so i have what i guess you could call a relatively normal day for myself but the wizards are weird because they're in that kind of portland trailblazers zone the blazers were in for so long um i don't know that i would say that that the blazers are quite in that same scenario now but if you remember it was like five years ago, six years ago, something in that neck of the woods. I, I can't remember when all of this went down, but the Blazers signed, you know, four or five wings to salaries of like sixteen million dollars or more, all at the same time, and they they just they just rolled in all of these. It was like Al Farouk Aminu and Mo Harkless, and so all of a sudden Dame had C.J. McCollum and then just a bunch of those guys around him, and there was just nothing that that team could do for years completely locked into these contracts that were not getting the team anywhere. A bunch of, like, you know, decent basketball players, but by NBA standards, they, were, they weren't move, needle movers. And it feels to some degree like the Wizards have a little bit of that going on. Although, you also look at this roster and think, why aren't they a little bit better? With the Blazers, I kept looking at their roster and thinking, why aren't they a, a little bit worse? And the answer repeatedly was that Damian Lillard was one of the best leaders in all of basketball, and he was just willing those teams to extra wins in a way that nobody on the Wizards really can. As good as you may feel Bradley Beal is at basketball, and as good as Kristaps Porzingis may be at basketball, those guys don't have the leadership qualities that Damian Lillard had. So you get this Wizards team that has two guys making an absolute truckload of money up at the top of the roster. Beal is set to make $47 million this coming season, Porzingis has a player option for 36 mil, which one would assume he'd probably take, and I think there's the possibility that he would you know, either opt out, sign an extension, or sign an extension on top of that deal. Uh, and that's, I mean, you're at like $85 million at that point. 83, I think, is where you're at there. That's a ton. And to make matters worse, the Wizards have a Daniel Gafford uh so Okay, make matters worse is probably not the right expression for this, but to make matters more constricting from a salary perspective, Daniel Gafford has a promotion and raise kicking in this coming year. He goes from $2 million to $12 million. They do still have uh, Monte Morris on the books for $10 mil. 
Delon Wright, who actually turned out to be a really nice signing for them, but he's still on the books for another eight mil. Um, and the only guys really coming off the books for the Wizards were guys like Will Barton, who they got for uh, buyout dollars, so that really didn't put a dent into things. T- Kendrick Nunn, who was making five-ish million dollars last year, and then they swapped bodies around uh, and and gave up a useful player in Rui Hachimura and, and all that stuff. And guys like Taj Gibson, guys down at the bottom of the salary totem pole. So the Wizards were committed to like 150-some-odd million dollars this last year. They're basically still committed to that with the one fluttering caveat that Kyle Kuzma has a $13 million player option that one would assume he will opt out of. Whether you think Kyle Kuzma deserves more than $13 million, he's almost definitely going to get it. Kuzma averaged 21 points and 7 boards this last year, has certainly improved defensively over the years, worked very hard at that with the Lakers. Uh, You know, Again, he's not like a franchise cornerstone type of player, but based on what a lot of guys are making these days, you figure he makes more than 13. Can the Wizards even afford to bring him back is question number one. Should they bother to bring him back is question number two. And then question number three is, if you're not really worried about the money side of this, what do you get by letting Kuzma walk? Because it's not like salary or cap space is just going to come blowing wide open for this team. The only way that that happens is if Porzingis and Kuzma each decline their player option, and then you've got Bradley Beal and a bunch of bozos. Uh, you know nobody's going to want to join that circus. Beal's probably going to end up wanting out of that circus. So the Wizards are in a really tough spot financially and from a team building perspective. Because you look at this team and it's like, what is the piece that makes this team not kind of blah? The Wizards were 35 and 47 this year. And I know you can, which, by the way, is the exact same record they had the year before. Sort of a funny little footnote on that. And yes, you can point to the fact that Beal missed 32 games this season. Fine, whatever. Or, you know, Delon Wright missed 32 games, and Morris 20, and Kuzma 18. But here's the thing every team in the damn league has somebody missing 25 games that's actually kind of important to their ball club. Okay, not every single team, but quite a lot of them. The handful of teams that didn't suffer through that, you can usually find near the top of their conferences. Like the Celtics, they were generally pretty good this year. I know Time Lord missed a big chunk at the beginning of the year, but like Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, those guys were largely healthy. The Cavs were relatively healthy this year. The Knicks were pretty healthy this year. You know, like, okay. The Kings, on the other side, pretty healthy. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits 
then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. I guess the Nuggets were kind of healthy this year, even with guys coming back from big stuff. But, like, you can't blame it on that. The Clippers had guys miss, like, half the season, and they still managed to go six games over five hundred. The Suns missed Chris Paul for long stretches. Devin Booker was out for long stretches. KD after the trade. They were still eight games over 500. Lakers, I mean, AD missed two months. LeBron missed two months. They still were four games over 500 somehow. So you can't really look at the Wizards and say, well, Beal missed 30 games, and that's why they were 35 and 47 instead of, I don't know. What do we think that even changes for them? Does it get him to 500 if he plays? I mean, he's not going to play 82. What do you want to get Beal to? 70 games instead of 50? Was he 50 or 52? I already forgot. 50. Could you get 20 more games out of Beal? And in those 20 games, it's not like the team went 0-20 in the 20 games we're talking about with Beal. So even if they go 10-10, and what do we think they went during that stretch? You get, I mean, this, we could look this up and just look at every game that Beal was out this year and what their record was, but they were probably about a 30% winning clip when Beal was on the shelf. And if you take that to 50, you go from, what, 6 and 14 to 10 and 10? That gets them to 39 and 43. They still don't make the playoffs. You know? Okay, let's say they go on a heater during that stretch and they go 12 and 8 instead of 10 and 10. Does that get it done? Yeah, then they'd sneak in as like the 8-9 range. But is that even really good enough? Is that the best case scenario for Washington right now? Is like the 9 seed? It kind of feels that way. And that's with Kyle Kuzma on the roster, who, again, I don't know that they can afford. So what the hell is this team going to do next year from a team-building standpoint where... It doesn't feel like you're just running it back with a roster that wasn't very good. Most teams that want to run it back, that's like, what, the Rams did that chant for football? That was after they won the Super Bowl. Yeah, you run it back after you're a winning franchise. Not another sort of... It's not like a hot dump of a team, but it's pretty rough. So what the hell do they do? Is Beal going to magically get healthier and or better? I doubt it. Is Porzingis going to get any healthier than he was this season? Probably could have played the last two or three games if they weren't tanking. But, I mean, this from a health standpoint was basically as good as it gets for KP. DeLon Wright played relatively well. They got basically what they wanted to out of Monte Morris, which was like a low turnover, high efficiency point guard to play alongside high volume guys. They're sort of staring down the barrel of it. And someone like a Denny Avdia, maybe you see him get more run next year, but we've seen that he's got pretty big holes in his fantasy game. Field goal percent low, free throw percent low. Turnovers were super high for Denny when he actually had to handle the basketball at all. Steals were fine. It felt like they were better than they were, actually. He's like around one in like what you'd call traditional starters minutes if he actually got to that point. 
The only thing I'm looking at with this team, so now let's pivot this discussion more into the fantasy landscape. Porzingis, he's always a second rounder on a per game basis. He almost got into the first round this year thanks to a uh, very high field goal percent. But let's assume for argument's sake that that doesn't actually hold year over year. You can see the blocks be, they could climb a tiny bit for KP. Maybe a tiny bit down here because he's playing alongside Gafford for stretches as more of a power forward than a center. Not all the time, but some. Normally, you'd think the field goal percent would actually go the other direction, but you know, offensively, he's they're still going to try to get him to his spots, not really worried about where Gafford is on offense. So let's say uh, Porzingis is somewhere between 12 and 20 per game basis next year. If you think he can get back to 65 games, which, I, I mean, I think it's going to come down to what this offseason looks like for Washington. Do they give him a reason to care? I thought this was a reason. I thought this was a season where he needed to prove to everyone that he could actually stay upright because, you know, if he opts out and wants a longer-term deal, that's the way that he would get it. If he doesn't, maybe the Wizards, it's a way that they continue to kind of trust in him. I don't know that he gets back to 65 games next year. I am curious where he goes in drafts next season. He's someone that had just been sort of consistently falling into the mid to late 40s year after year after year because of the missed games. And so on the head-to-head side, that's a guy that tends to take a hit in a way that he wouldn't in slightly lesser played mode like a games Cavaroto. Beal, you assume he probably plays more than 50 games next year, but he was number 53 on a per-game basis this season. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to look at his numbers and say that they weren't, like, kind of decent, but, look, he's not going to have the same offensive needs. He's not a high 20s to 30 range scorer anymore. You know, his field goal attempts, his usage were just, it was just down with Porzingis there the whole season, and Kuzma, also a higher usage guy. So, yeah, I mean, with Beal, his value is tied into usage. When his usage took a hit, his value took a hit. But, you know, 50 range for him on a per-game basis is pretty reasonable. If we see that Kuzma goes elsewhere and you redistribute a bunch of his shots, that's a way where you could see Beal climb back up the board a little bit. I mean, do you see Porzingis get more... Uh, it doesn't feel like that goes to him, but, you know, maybe a little bit does. DeLon Wright, he was, this was, I think, a best-case scenario for him because Beal missed so much time, and then Morris missed a bunch of time, and so he was able to kind of fill in in those spots. But I think they also liked what he did. So DeLon Wright, who finished the season at number 59 on a per-game basis in about 24 and change minutes per ball game, you could certainly see a world next season where he gets into the low 20s in minutes, kind of, Felt like he played his way into that role this season. And that probably puts him just inside the top 100. Monte Morris, not super fantasy friendly as a game. Doesn't get, doesn't score much, doesn't hit many threes. The efficiency is good, but that's as far as it goes. With, with efficiency, you need volume, and he doesn't have that. Daniel Gafford is another guy you could talk about. It's kind of in this, weirdly, in the same boat as Bradley Beal, where Gafford played about 20 and a half minutes per ball game this season. But he had these long stretches where he put up better numbers, and that was games Porzingis missed and games Kuzma missed. And then there were days where that overlapped and Gafford got to go totally buck wild. He's a guy that, again, if if they run it back, he profiles as basically what he was this year. And Gafford stayed relatively healthy, so by totals he actually had a decent season. But by averages, he was number 138 in 
20-ish minutes per ball game. But that also tells you that he's, again, like four or five minutes a game away from being a pretty solid, you know, top 80, top 90 range fantasy contributor. How does he get to that mark? Well, someone else in the front court needs to be gone. So that means either Kuzma doesn't come back or Porzingis has a more injury-prone season. And why did I say that Kuz, or, uh, Gafford falls into the same bucket as Bradley Beal? Well, because any uptick in their value is generally tied to whether Kyle Kuzma is around. And if he's there, n- nothing changes. And if nothing changes, you've got a team where Porzingis is your dice roll that he stays healthy. Beal is generally overdrafted because people say, oh, Beal, he scores a lot. Well, he scored the exact same amount as Porzingis this season, which was decent, but not like blow the roof off the building great. And then DeLon Wright's probably going to get underdrafted because he doesn't score. Monte Morris is probably going to get drafted because people like that he gets some assists. Gafford is going to get drafted because we're all going to be staring at it and going, eh, Porzingis, like, you could play 40 games this year, and that's the way that that one works out. Kuzma's going to get drafted because he's a points league darling with the bad percentages and high turnovers that you can ignore. And then guys like Denny Avdia and Corey Kispert and Jordan Goodwin and whoever else and Johnny Davis, the young buck, these guys are all going to be standing around on the outside wondering when do we get our chance. You kind of have to go into next season on Washington with, I was going to say two plans, but maybe it's more like three The first plan is they run it back, which, great. I mean, we know exactly how that goes. It's staring us right in the face here uh, with the numbers that are already on the board. There's also the, we can't afford a more expensive Kyle Kuzma, or there's no reason for us to afford that if it's not going to make us a good basketball team. So they let him walk. His usage dumps into Porzingis and Beal, mostly, and a little bit more playing time into Gafford because that pushes... Uh, with Kuzma not taking a bunch of the power forward minutes, that allows Porzingis to stay down there a little bit more. Denny Avdia probably also wins out in that scenario, but I don't know that he moves far enough for it to matter anyway. And then the third scenario is they find a way to kind of blow things up, which feels improbable given that they gave Bradley Beal $250 million to stay there for another five years. Uh, <laughs> so... How do you blow it up when you've got that still in the center of your team? Sounds hard. Feels like they're going to just build this around Beal and Porzingis and hope that they can pull a rabbit out of a hat, but I guess we shall see. Um, And that's why we'll have a couple of plans on the Wizards. But, again, you know, if you're looking for value on this team, we need to know where Porzingis is going to get drafted. My guess is that he slides up from fourth round to more like third round, which does make him a much riskier proposition in in any format. Probably still worth a look there because the way he plays per game, if you're getting him at like 30, it's probably like a 60% chance he beats that mark. You know, when he was getting him in the late 40s here, there was like an 80 to 90% chance he beats that mark. And the question was how much, and he beat it by a ton. But then you've got this other stuff going on where I think DeLon Wright is the only other guy on that team that maybe beats his per-game ADP if they run it back. And then, again, we'll just uh, play the rest of it by year, I suppose, and hope that we can squeeze a value out somewhere in the middle of the mess. All right, let's shut down the Wizards chat. Pew! 
down it goes. The YouTubers now have to look at my big dumb face for a few seconds while we pull up what's been going on in the NBA. Over the weekend, the, I guess a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. You know what? I don't need to tell you what happened each day. You guys know what happened each day. We're going to instead focus on where things sit right now. And right now, things sit uh, with a Lakers-Warriors game. That's the evening game tonight. And the Knicks and Heat are playing their fourth game tonight as well. The home team in each of these series currently leads said series two games to one, meaning each lower seed stole a game and now are trying to hang on to the stolen home court advantage. In the other series, uh, they're tied 2-2. I got to tell you guys, this is really one of the best playoffs that I can remember in the NBA in forever. Every series feels pretty damn competitive. Every one of them. Most folks thought that Boston was going to run away. Sixers have gotten a couple of really big games to kind of hang tough with the Celtics. Like, well, can they do that four times? I don't know. They've done it twice out of four tries so far. Suns came back. Devin Booker has been otherworldly in these playoffs. Somehow outdueled Nikola Jokic. I guess it's because he also had Kevin Durant on his team. That series is tied 2-2. Pretty surprised that the Suns were able to win both of their home games. I thought that one of those, they'd hit a little bit of a skid, but uh, not so much. I am not too completely surprised that the Celtics are tied 2-2 with the Sixers. It just feels like Boston is a team that's not as defensively locked in as they were last season. I don't know. I might be reading that wrong, but it just feels like the focus kind of waxes and wanes a tiny bit with that Celtics team this year. Meanwhile, over on the other side, the Heat just keep outperforming, and I I think this will be a good ball game, but I I have no reason not to believe in Miami and at a pretty affordable number as well. As far as the total on that series goes, it's a little bit of a tough one to predict, I think. Um, You know, you're, you're constantly looking at these Knicks heat games and thinking, when is the total actually going to go too low? The last ball game that Miami won 105 to 86, which again, that's 191 points altogether. That to me was about as, as low as this series could go. And the reason I say that is because the Knicks shot 34% in that game. And the Heat shot 39% in that game. Now, the Heat hit a bunch of free throws. That was the way that they were able to get up and over 105. But overall, the pace of that Miami-New York game on Saturday was much quicker than the final score would indicate. So, And they had all this time off between games as well so that everybody could kind of catch up a tad. The previous game ended at 216 With a similar pace, but just the teams making a few more shots. That was it. So now you're looking at this number of 206. That's actually moved up to 208, uh, which makes it, I think, a tiny bit harder to bet. But that 191 briefly created kind of an over pocket. You guys know I don't like betting overs in the playoffs, but 
These teams have not been playing nearly as slow as the final number in a couple of them might indicate. And I think there's a very real chance that this one gets up into that 210 to 216 range again. So slight lean to the over in Heat-Knicks. I think this will be a, a better ball game. I think the Knicks will be better offensively here in game four. Uh, and that's good because the Heat will probably put up some, you know, 100 and low 100s. And the Knicks will keep up with them. Slightly to the over in that one. The side is tougher for me. I, th I think if you were like, Dan, you have to pick one, I'd say Heat to cover four and a half, but I don't, I don't really much care for it. The nightcap. Lakers trounced the Warriors in game three on Saturday. Warriors had a tough time hitting three-pointers, and if they don't hit threes, they're, they're just not going to win. Lakers actually hit more three-pointers than the Warriors did. Golden State has no chance if the Lakers outscore them at the three-point line. I know everybody's making a big deal about the free-throw discrepancy, but the three-pointer discrepancy is the one, in my eyes, that was actually the bigger deal here. Because the Lakers are probably going to shoot more free throws than the Warriors on a game-to-game -game basis. The Lakers have uh, four, three, call it three guys, you could say three-plus, that are going to the rim almost every time they have the basketball. Or they should. Sometimes LeBron settles for the outside shot. But LeBron attacking. Anthony Davis attacking. Austin Reeves is the other guy that's always getting in and trying to sort of get in the way and sort of funky stuff. But the Warriors, who? Steph is the guy that sometimes goes to the rim. But right now, no one on the Warriors is going to the rim because AD's back there. So I just, like, it's a pretty... It's a pretty lazy narrative to just be like, oh, Lakers shot more free throws. The refs are involved in this thing. Yeah, I mean, I'll agree with part of that. The games have not been called the same, one, two, and three. So that does make it a little bit confusing, I think, for both teams as to, like, what can we get away with on a given ball game? Is this going to be, you know, they're going to let us beat the crap out of each other? Um, game two was a little bit more of that. Game three, they called it a little bit tighter, that favors the Lakers because they do rely on those free throws more. So we don't know exactly what's going to happen in game four. Just popped up that Scott Foster is going to be on it. So uh, whoo, this should be a wacky one. Um, but like if you watched game three, I, you know, there were like two calls I thought that I looked at and thought, eh, maybe that wasn't a foul. Like what does that, what does that change though? The Lakers free throws go from 37 to 35 was it one shooting foul one not 33 if you want to call it the biggest number they're gonna get more free throws the Warriors were one of the lowest teams in the league at shooting free throws Lakers were one of the top ones and right now AD is making a huge difference where other teams aren't getting to the line the way that they would normally and so for a Warriors team that doesn't shoot any like please all I'm asking you guys is watch the game and tell me where the missed calls were I saw maybe two in game three. Maybe two. That wasn't where it happened. This game pivoted because the Lakers finally hit some outside shots and the Warriors didn't, and so then it became a 30-point game. If the Warriors hit their outside shots and the Lakers don't the way we kind of expect and the Lakers get to the line and the Warriors don't the way we expect, it'll be like game one. It'll be tight... It'll be a good ball game. Lakers were slowly opening up a lead in that ball game. Warriors hit a bunch of threes and got back even. And then the Lakers made a couple of plays down the stretch. That's how it ended. Warriors should have the advantage shooting. Lakers should have the advantage at the foul line. That's the way these teams are built. 
game three, because every game is a little, can be a bit anomalous. Lakers shot the ball better than usual. Warriors shot the ball worse than usual. Everything else stayed the same, and the Lakers beat the piss out of them. What do you think is going to happen in game four? Hard to say. I mean, you, you would expect the Warriors would shoot the ball better. Steph in particular, although he was like one of the lone bright spot. Andrew Wiggins actually had a better ball game there, but Clay was off after his inferno game two. Jordan Poole can't stay on the floor right now. He's just getting roasted by L.A. So it's going to come down to Steph and Clay to hit the outside shots. You know, Clay probably shoots a little better in this one. Maybe Steph shoots a little better. We haven't seen the Steph going insane game quite yet. Maybe that's going to be this one. Lakers will have to keep up by attacking, finding ways to get to the interior part of the defense, exploiting minutes when Draymond isn't out there, or getting him into foul trouble because AD is taller, and we'll see how it plays out. Now, as far as the line goes in this game, Lakers open as a fourth-point favorite. It dropped quickly. People figure the Warriors are going to be on a severe bounce-back situation. People seem to like the over at 227.5, which, I don't know. To me, it feels like the Lakers have a pretty damn good game plan for Golden State right now. They're going to force everything to the perimeter, and the Warriors are going to have to hit a ton of three-pointers to win a ball game. And then the Warriors, they had a few things they worked on that worked better in Game 2. When the Lakers are hot from the perimeter, then everything goes down the tubes. Lakers are not going to be this good from three-point line in the next one. So I would actually lean, I think, to the under in this one is probably my favorite play. Um, I have no idea what happens on the side because it's very hard to just bet on who hits three-pointers. You just don't really know which team is going to be warmer on a given night. You can assume it's probably going to be more Warriors than Lakers, but this series is so dependent, uh, betting-wise at least, on which team is good from three-point land uh, that, to me, betting on the side is is asking an awful lot. I think this game is tighter. I think it's closer. Um, you know, if you like the Warriors, you probably go money line. If you like the Lakers... You probably lay the two and a half because you figured whoever wins is going to win by three. <laughs> um, but I, I think I kind of like the over in the first game and the under in the second game more than I like the sides in, in this particular Monday O playoff basketball. And that brings us to the end of the program, everybody. Hope someone reaches out today on the recruiting pitch. It'll be fun. This is fun for me. In particular, we're looking for that NFL voice. If you want to be an NFL analyst, this is a great place to start. You can get your words out there, fire them off into the galaxy, build a, something with us here at Sports Ethos. But this is not for the faint of heart. You got to be ready to be doing many shows per week. I don't care that they only play once in the NFL. There's news every single day. I know enough about football to know that's the case. You're going to have to basically do what I do. But that should sound fun to you if you're reaching out. Joe Orico is a perfect example of someone who was like, I want to come to Sports Ethos, and I want to build something the way Dan has done it. And now we have a very popular fantasy baseball podcast. If you want to be that for football, hit me up. Look forward to hearing from you soon. I'm Dan Vespers for Fantasy NBA Today, a Sports Ethos presentation. Until tomorrow, everyone. We'll see you then.
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. While no one knows what tomorrow may bring, Bridgestone is working toward a more positive outlook. With innovations like developing a tire using 75% recycled and renewable materials. It's just one of the many ways Bridgestone is making a difference today. For generations to come. Because that's what really matters. Bridgestone. Solutions for your journey. Visit whatreallymatters.com to learn more. My son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. If you travel for work, you know to pack two suits, business and swim. You know with your Delta Sky Miles Business Amex card, buying that plane ticket for a business trip can get you closer to medallion status. You know that a meeting in Montana means visiting almost every national park. Yellowstone? Check. Because you're the chief excursion officer. It's why you're a Delta SkyMiles Platinum Business American Express card member. If you travel, you know. Terms apply. Visit go.amex slash you know business. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus is central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.